This is Beekeeper Confidential, a show about the curious lives of bees and their beekeepers. I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. Hello, hi, it's me. I'm back from a little break, and today I'm the one answering questions. I'm joined by special guest host and the best B-Bay anyone could ask for, Fanta Molino. We talk about the past year and dive into where the heck I've been for the past several months. It's been a long time, folks, but I'm so glad to be back in your ears again for the third season of Beekeeper Confidential. Hi, Mandy. Hi, Fanta. I've got a little bit of butterflies in my belly because I just hit record. Oh my goodness. I have to admit that I am feeling so excited to be back on Beekeeper Confidential for my second (laughs) time ever. But this time I get to be in such a different role and it's exciting because today I am the interviewer. So I am you and you you are me. (laughs) (gasps) There's nobody that I would rather have in the host seat today than you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I actually have a lot of things that I think would be so amazing for your um, your audience to know about that I'm really excited to be able to interview you because I think that, you know, you've done such an amazing job interviewing other people and being such this amazing um collaborator, you know, allowing your platform to highlight other people's works that in fact, maybe a lot of your audience don't really know, you know, what you're about and what you've been doing. So I think this is kind of a great time to, you know, set the record and let people know like who you are and you have so many wonderful things going on. We've got a lot of catching up to do. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Why don't we start there? Why don't we talk about, you know, we had um, our last guest was... um, Sarah, Sarah Carmody. Carmody was the yeah, last Sarah one. Uh huh. And so that's been, you know, several months now. Um, and so what's been going on since then? Wow. Yeah. Uh, the last episode I think came out in September. Um, it wasn't the last interview that I recorded though. There mm-hmm. are a couple of interviews that I did after the last show aired, but There were some really, really major things happening in my life at that time. And with (laughs) the the drama of COVID is we all have been touched by it in some way or another. Um, Things were already difficult to maintain. It was already really hard to keep up with the show. And I had to change my business a lot. And when it came down to it, it was hard for me to do the show because I couldn't access beekeeping in the way that I had been able to prior to COVID simply because I I have my, my children with me all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was already in a place where I was really struggling to talk about this hobby that I love so much But then somebody really, really close to me died. Mm. Um, And after she died, 
Oregon had um, firestorm weather conditions. Right. And, th- I mean, I want to say the entire state caught on fire yes. in just a matter of days. And to have, you know, this tremendous loss and the grief crushing down on me along with, you know, air that was unsafe to breathe, even in our own home, you know, we couldn't open windows, we couldn't open right. doors because the smoke was so thick mm. all around us. Um, it really put me in a place where I really felt like I couldn't talk. Mm. I just couldn't, I couldn't come here to the space that we're meeting today right. to, to talk about things in a way that you know, I wanted to be public. And holding your passion and your joy that you normally bring to your show. And you're actually really well known for that. <laughs> yeah. So I bet yeah. it was hard for you to imagine a way to do it that would, you know, encapsulate what you really want the energy of the show to be whilst feeling those, you know, other feelings and being yeah. in those deep emotions. That's exactly right. And, you know, the show has been something that I, th- I think people have gotten joy from listening to. Mm-hmm. And maybe they can giggle along with me as yes. I'm giggling about whatever. <laughs> um, but when I could no longer giggle, you know, yeah. because life was that serious for me, I just I felt like I had kind of lost my voice you know and um and so I've just had a lot of time to think about what the show has meant to me Mm. and what connecting with the audience has meant to me Mm. and you know the connections that I've made with my guests you know all of that has been so in in the grand scheme of my beekeeping journey these are like the precious jewels of mm. of that. And I never wanted to stop making the show. <sighs> yeah. I just didn't know what to say to you all. Oh, <laughs> right? Yeah. And compounding all of that, which was already really intense. Um, you have, you know, a global pandemic. And, you know, also you have a lot going on, a lot of um, kind of extenuating circumstances in your family. Mm-hmm. And do you mm-hmm. want to talk a little bit about motherhood and how being um, a full-time mom as well as beekeeper, how that works? Uh, well, um, I just want to say to all of the parents who have fought and and um adapted their way through this like you are so much stronger than you know right because this has not been easy um and for me I feel like you know when I first got into beekeeping it was because I had two toddler boys I had just been laid off from a corporate job and my husband and I decided this was the time for me to be a stay-at-home mom. You know, I grew up with a stay-at-home mom, oh. and I am lucky for that. Oh, it is and, a blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I wanted to uh, I wanted to do that for my family, and we were able to do it. We were in a position to be able to make that happen, which I I realize for so many that's just not in the cards right it's a privilege it really is and it's a sacrifice as well though yes 
And part of that sacrifice is, you know, as the care provider, you, I don't want to say you lose yourself in all of that, but your identity is no longer just your own. There are so few things that you get in your life that are just special for you because you are so busy doling at the love, doling at the meals, picking up the toys, you know, just like all of the things, Mm -hmm. taking your kids to the places that they need to go. Um, And so when I started learning about bees, just through, you know, wanting to plant a pollinator garden. Yeah. um, That opened up a world for me where I could find respite for my soul, respite Mm -hmm. for my mind, something to engage me, something new to learn that was just for me. Oh, (laughs) I can so relate because I definitely share your path in that as a mother of three myself. You know, it's my thing and my time for myself to enjoy, you know, just almost be selfish about my needs in that moment. And so I totally, you know completely relate to that kind of cathartic energy that is released from the experience of getting to indulge in it Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and having it's like this sort of extra superpower that you have right it's very very empowering to work with bees and you know as somebody who is uh ambitious and creative i really tried to find a way to um, not monetize my work with bees, but to like make it something productive beyond just my hobby. And so, you know, over the years, that's what I, I put my mind to and that's what I worked to do. And this podcast is a very important piece of that puzzle. Oh, yeah. Um, and so when, when COVID happened, I really had to adjust you know, my work with clients, my classes, you know, all of that had to be put on hold, but also having my children who are now 11 and 10, um, one biological, one (laughs) non-biological, that's how the numbers work there. Mm -hmm. Um, Because people always ask, Ask, how did you do that? (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) Um, It was through the magic of adoption. (laughs) Um, But having them with me uh, all the time, I I couldn't do beekeeping in the way that I had gotten used to doing it. Yes. And so it really changed the dynamic. It changed not having access to that thing that, that calmed my mind, mm-hmm. the thing that soothed me, the thing that empowered mm-hmm. me. And and not being able to kind of use it as this form of like um, self-care mm-hmm. and then, you know, instead creating a situation where, okay, I'm dealing with thousands of stinging insects and my kids are going to complain and nag at me while I'm doing it. Absolutely. Is a totally different compounded scenario. Yeah. Not quite the cathartic self-care <laughs> that <laughs> no, it started it out, out as, right? Not at all. <laughs> and then also like, because I had had years of beekeeping under my belt, I also built a very large inventory uh-huh. of colonies that I was caring for. And one of the first things that I did when COVID hit was I gave away one of my apiaries Yeah. to, to a beekeeper who I felt could benefit from it. I didn't 
charge them anything. Right. I just said, you, you take the space. It's yours. It's been wonderful for me, but I know at this time I can't care for it anymore. Right, right. And then I tried to continue caring for my my other 25 colonies that I had. And um, I'll be honest with you guys. I was a shit beekeeper <laughs> the whole year. I maybe got into my hives once or twice, you know, each colony over the course of the entire 2020 beekeeping season. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it mm-hmm. was bad. And, you know, fortunately... A lot of the bees that I had in my inventory were ones that I n- knew could handle very more independence. Yes, very resilient stock. <laughs> yeah, and could swarms handle, and yes. splits that I had made, and so I sure. I knew these bees pretty well, and so I I was able to uh, as much as it hurt, I was able to accept like they're just going to have to be on their own this year because I I being out there and trying to do a hive inspection while I've got you know a tantruming kid demanding that we leave when we've only been there for 15 minutes right that's not fun and for some folks, maybe they might think, oh, you know, 10 and 11, that seems old to be doing that. But you have other kind of experiences going on in terms of your children. And do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, we have a child who's um, he is autistic, although we didn't find out about his autism until just at the end of 2020. Uh-huh. We had been on a long waiting list to have him tested. Uh COVID threw that off. Um, mm-hmm. Tests were supposed to happen the month that that the lockdowns began. And so the appointments that we had were canceled. Ugh. And so we were actually in diagnostic limbo for, you know, a better part of the year. Um, during that time, we applied and qualified for disability services. And so towards the end of the year we did get approved to have you know a a care worker come in and help Mm -hmm. but getting the autism diagnosis wasn't surprising it was more validation and and clarification of like what was going on for years you guys have been you know upholding a really (laughs) kind of you know intense um evolution of getting to kind of as he grew, figuring mm-hmm. out what was kind of going on. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole podcast series in itself, you yeah. know, being the caregiver um, to somebody with the complex, you know, neurodiversity. Mm-hmm. Because no two people are the same, it's going to look different for everybody. That's and right. so the choices you make and, you know, the therapies that you engage in and, and maybe you go down the route of trying medications all of that stuff can be really, really heavy and exhausting. And, and exhausting. And when you're in it day after day and, and you lose their social outlet to the world, when you take them out of school and now school happens at the kitchen table, it's not pretty. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was really, really tough on us as a family. And, you know, we, we did our best. Mm-hmm. We did our best. And I, the, the mantra that I kept saying to myself Diamonds are formed under pressure. <laughs> and wow, when we yeah. come out of this shit storm, mm-hmm. like we're going to sparkle. Yeah, you are. <laughs> and you do. I have to say, I mean, not for nothing, but 
You are such a beautiful family and you all Thank work you. so hard to just be kind and um, helpful and generous with the world around you, all of you. And so, you know, you're doing something right. <laughs> and I think what maybe what you're getting at is that as much as you love beekeeping, as much as it was so important for you that ultimately you sacrificed a lot still because ultimately you're the mama first yeah. and you're going to oh, be yeah. there for your family. And unfortunately beekeeping and beekeeper confidential had to kind of take a little bit of a backseat so that you could adjust yourself for yeah. motherhood first. Absolutely. You know? And just regroup. I really needed to regroup and be realistic about what I as one woman can do right um and you actually came and saved my <laughs> butt <laughs> this spring I realized like okay let me backtrack just a little bit um my business also evolved a lot during you know right? the, yeah. the COVID times um demands for my handmade beekeeper veils went up a lot like I mean that's <laughs> to put it kind of lightly because I'll tell you right now if you are a beekeeper and you get on Instagram you know what a big deal Bella Beak is because <laughs> everybody's wearing these amazing beautiful veils and so I have to say it's so um, sort of paradoxical to hear you speak about you know what you were struggling through because to everyone else what they're seeing is that all of a sudden you are um you know the designer of one of the premier kind of um beekeeping businesses that is out there so it's really interesting how both things were happening how did that all come about do you think well when I realized that I couldn't do the in-person consultation, I couldn't, you know, any longer maintain the, the hive management programs that I had set up, um, I had to really just focus on what I could do. And what I could do was sew mm -hmm. at home with right. the children right. at home. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, once the fabric stores started carrying fabric again <laughs> after like the, I don't know if y'all know this, but when people started making homemade masks, you couldn't get fabric. No. You right. couldn't get elastic. No. You couldn't get thread. Not right. because the stores, you couldn't go in person, even online. Like everybody oh, yeah. was just selling out of everything. Absolutely. And I received a uh, order for 100 masks um, for a local company that makes chocolate. And uh, I said yes, because I had a connection to them. And it burned through my entire fabric stash, like wow. everything, everything you had, everything. Oh. You wouldn't think 100 masks takes up a lot of fabric, but it does. They actually do. Yeah, it's triple layer. Yeah, <laughs> for yeah. one thing. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but anyways, while I was out of fabric, I was also out of, you know, inventory of veils and the emails started coming in and the messages on social media, like, when are you going to have veils again? And right before the, the whole lockdown began, I had met with a local sewing shop to see what it would look like to have them help me manufacture these things sure. just help me with yeah. some sewing yeah. so I can like do, do more beekeeping and less sewing. Right, right. Well, 
I was not like in retrospect, I wasn't ready for that. Right. Like, my business right. wasn't ready for that. I didn't have working capital. I didn't have, you know, wholesale fabric accounts. Like sure. I just wasn't set mm-hmm. up for that. Mm-hmm. And I realized that yeah. um, shortly after. And so once once fabric started to become available again and the orders started pouring in, I I took the investment um, from, you know, the revenue from those orders and I put it back into opening up wholesale accounts with fabric manufacturers. Oh, wow. Because if you want to do that, you have to put down some money. Absolutely. You have to yeah. get, you know, you have yes, to get you a need lot. to buy, you know, 200 yards of fabric right. for your initial order. And at the time, that seemed like, you know, um, stomach clenching amounts of fabric. But actually, it's it's not. Mm-hmm. Once I got comfortable, you know, bringing that amount in, I knew that it would go right back Absolutely. out. Out the doors yeah. as beekeeper veils. Um, and so, you know, as the year went by, I started to really evaluate, do I want to go back to doing consulting? Do mm-hmm. I want to go back mm-hmm. to doing classes and workshops? Because sure. You know, when I look at my Instagram feed and when I look at my local bee community, there are people filling that need. Oh, right. I I'm know not what you the mean. only one doing those yes, things. Yes, yes, you know, yeah, yeah, The yeah. bee world doesn't need me to do those things mm-hmm. in order for there to be beekeepers. Sure, absolutely, <laughs> right. If yes, that yes, makes sense. Yes, it does. And so I decided I would really re- I would rebrand mm-hmm. and I would focus my efforts on you know, this new brand. I was previously operating as Waggle Works, right. which I did like all sorts of things. Uh-huh. Now I'm focused as Bella Beak and Bella Beak is my tribute to all of the beekeepers who are out there loving the practice, mm-hmm. feeling empowered doing it, feeling that joy and the, the, um, the respite that they get for themselves when they're doing it and that's you know these are my clients and I've really felt a deep connection to them because our stories are the same you know we we are the same beekeeper absolutely um and that's been really amazing I've officially launched Bella Beak in January and it's been um it's been really it's, it's just unreal it cracks me up because it used to be like we kind of knew all the people that had them and everything and now i'm just like who's this wearing this veil oh okay or other people will say like you know if i post a picture wearing mine on a you know beekeeping site other people will tag in oh well that's mandy shaw bella beak and i'm like oh like everyone knows you yeah, know it's just and, so so interesting because... but i think part of it though is because the product is representing what what you've just said is that you know that self-care but also just it's a external reflection of the beauty of the whole experience of beekeeping and it's just as utilitarian and usable and functional as it is beautiful so of course everyone wants one (laughs) um you know it's just such a beautiful product and I'm just so proud to see all that you've come you know how far you've come it's just wild and for folks who don't know the backstory with the veils um, before I got my first hives, I was shopping for bee gear. It was that fall uh, before I, you know, I had nukes on order for the following spring, but I was shopping for all of my gear and I was just really appalled by the lack of choices for stylish beekeeping 
wear. So I decided just to try making my own. I even made my own suit. Oh, you oh, did? Girl. <laughs> oh, goodness. There's got to be pictures somewhere. Oh, my somewhere. gosh. The dorkiest. Um, <laughs> I was such a dork. I still am, but like it was like <laughs> it was thick. Um, but I started making, you know, little bee veils and somebody ordered a couple, you know, lady from uh, the local bee club that I was in. And then just over the years, you know, it just sort of trickled in. And then one day it just, I, and I, it hit. And I really attribute that to the the power of um, social media and mm. people being able to say, "Look, I got this cool thing," yeah. and their friends be like, "I want that cool thing." Absolutely. Um, and handmade, you know, woman owned, operated in Portland too. Yeah. I mean, that definitely yeah. is huge because you've put every stitch in that garment, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and. And yeah. each stitch is with love. Oh, you know it. It's all, and I imagine, you know, when I'm making these, I know that wonderful feeling of being out with your bees. Mm. Like maybe it's been a shit day. Right. And you have <laughs> 20 minutes that you can go out and just spend with your bees. And I know the healing and the peace that comes with that. Um, and so making something that can help somebody feel better in their day mm. and in their practice it's Absolutely. it's like very special it really is and so. i will just give one <laughs> other little um thing about the fact that i can't tell you how important it is to me that you are so inclusive with your sizing um and as a goddess sized woman i have to say you go out of your way to make sure that the fit is as wonderful and that we feel great no matter you know what size body you have yeah Um, yeah it's so important to me and like even though i have my standard sizes that i have in stock and shop if anybody like I want them to be like yes I I wear like I have a 55 inch bust can you make me a veil yes yes I can and I really like it's so important to me that it fits Uh, it's it's been so great for me because I have to say um in most of my um, sizing and beekeeping clothes it's like the Michelin man marshmallow woman and and I, like that's not you it's that's not, not me your style. in any way it I would never yes. like it doesn't represent you no, in any no, way no and so it just makes me feel so excited to be able to you know put on my beautiful veil that I will say is custom made with <laughs> amazing fabric for me so I'm one of the lucky ones who got in when the custom well Fonta orders. gets whatever she wants around oh, here oh my goodness but we I got do. A good thing going we on. we got so off track there. Oh my gosh! Okay. So we have to go back to the time that Fanta <laughs> completely, totally saved my butt. Do tell. <laughs> so <laughs> because the Beville business is getting real hot. Um, and you know, I, I knew that I, I wasn't going to have it in me to do another, like, I didn't want to do another shit year of beekeeping. I really, I knew I couldn't take care of all of the bees that I had, but I also know that you are a very skilled, very mindful, Hmm. you know, very, you're just a really wonderful beekeeper and you're an educator and you do good with your position in the mm-hmm. bee community. 
Thank and you. as a side note, not everybody does good with their position in the bee community. Mm. And that is something, you know, we can address at a later time. Absolutely. There's a lot more to say about that. But for for somebody that's doing good and is, you know, really pouring their heart into helping raise amazing beekeepers out in the community, um, I, I thought I really want these bees to go to Fanta. Mm. I had this, I had this apiary. Um, I've talked about it before my farm apiary. It's a horse farm and I've had bees there for five years. And, um, we had this crazy ice storm. You guys, it was historic. Um, and the part of town that was hit the hardest was where this apiary was. Yeah. And, there were down trees. I like a tree almost landed on some of my hives. Like you couldn't get to the the space where the apiary was because of all the down trees. And um, it was a mess. And I just like, it sort of hit me that, you know, with, with the size of that mess, I just didn't have, I didn't have the resources or the energy or the time that it would take to clean it up and make it a working apiary again. And I also, I didn't want to just leave those bees out there again because mm-hmm. some of those genetics are very, very precious. Very like good. Mm-hmm. really, really special genetics that I've been cultivating for years, you guys. Mm. And I wasn't <laughs> new to these genetics because we started out like when our first, you know, year of being in friends was that I had lost a lot of bees that year and you hooked me up with the nuke and then I used that as one of my breeder queens. So, um our our bee genetics have been intertwined yes, for, for many many, for many years. years now. Yep, and that's basically what I tell people is that that's what my genetics are: is the feral stock from the national forest of all the swarms, and then the feral swarm population in Portland, yep. and the collaboration of those two lineages coming together. Yeah, yeah. So and I was so a willing. I was like. You know, I thought about it and I really didn't have to think about it for long. I just was like, this is the right thing to do to ask Fanta if she would take these bees. And so I and I knew like, oh, this is going to be a lot of work. You know, we're going to move all those bees oh, out yeah. of there. And then that we're going to get them down to the, her farm. Uh, but you guys, if you you need to go back and listen to her at her episode if you haven't heard it. She lives on this amazing 36-acre farm, 30-something acres, um, and she has done so much um, to plant for pollinators and to create a space for them that is year-round providing, you know, high level of nutrition for the bees, but she's also a really great beekeeper, and so there's nobody Mm. that I would rather you know, give mm. half of my bee inventory to than you. Oh, so she was such a gift. <laughs> you came up and oh, it was a an trailer. adventure. We've had some amazing <laughs> bee adventures, and I have to say, if you really have never enjoyed beekeeping, um, unless you and your bee bay have had some amazing <laughs> bee adventures, and we truly have had so much fun with our bees together. But I think this was like kind of the um, coup d'état of all of our stuff because, you know, we 
come I had taught all day on a Friday and there wasn't a lot of time. We knew we had to get them before supers went on and they got too oh, yeah. heavy. And we were like this was maybe the last week of March. Right. It and... was early. Plus there was still it wasn't just so bad there because there was, you know, all the down trees and stuff, but there the whole state was still covered with tons of debris oh, yeah. from, you know, this whole ice storm situation that had occurred. Um so we couldn't just like drive right up to the spot. Um, so thank goodness for my um, handy dandy hive lifter and um, we got in there at like the crack of dawn had them all closed up and we were moving them out by the time the sun came up you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. and you know hightailed it down the I-5 and unloaded them all and you know I have to say it has been such a huge gift because I have been actively you know working to um, expand my apiary and doing all the queen rearing mm-hmm. and um, to really be able to bring those and all the high quality gear and it was such a huge deal I just can't tell you you know as far as you know women helping women and supporting businesses you cannot believe this woman that is Mandy <laughs> Shaw I have to tell you I've lived you know 43 years of my life and I have had a lot of friendships um, and collaborated with a lot of folks but I've never had a friend that has just so selflessly devoted themselves to my work and believing in me um, and just absolutely wanted to collaborate with me in every way and you've been doing that since I legit very first met you and it's always been that with you and I just think that that is just such a rare and exotic gift in this world to have people totally show up for other people and really walk their talk and Mm -hmm. it just kind of floors me it humbles me (laughs) and I'm just so grateful for one of the greatest gifts that bees ever brought me was you Aww, and honestly I feel the same way just we're an just honor. we're getting a little bit gushy here but it's true and I hope that I hope that like you as as a listener of this show can feel the synergy that mm-hmm. Fanta and I have um it doesn't take work no you know <laughs> it's not hard to uplift uh, a somebody who is you know, in there doing the same kind of work yeah. that you're doing. And for me to be able to um, release what had become a burden, I mean, the, these, the, the amount of bees that I had had, it's a had lot become of work. a burden. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was such a beautiful thing to be able to release these oh, things yeah. to you. And let me tell you, <laughs> folks, <laughs> that was a few months ago and rolling up to her farm. <laughs> that's where I'm at this weekend. I'm here for a little vacay. Um, it was just so striking to pull up to her driveway and see these tall, beautiful painted hives just lining <laughs> lining the upper hills and knowing you know she took those bees and they have flourished she's cultivated them she's mm-hmm. been able to um put on a heck of a lot of honey supers i mean <laughs> yeah. it's just amazing 
And and how many hives do you have now? I, I actually am in the 40-something range because I can't even keep track of all the swarms and, you know, all the things that I've done. And so I have to go take a final count here. And it's amazing, like, thinking of the journey, you know, because you and I got in the game at the same at time. The same we time. both started in 2016. Absolutely. And we have both hustled hard because that's what you have to do have to, to like get anywhere it with beekeeping to get any any sort of um uh I don't want to say kickback or monetization it's but almost like, sustainability because right. it helps you continue on because it's so easy in this industry when it's normal to lose 30 to 40 percent of bees I mean that's the normal standard of losses whether you treat whether you don't treat it's totally normal to lose 30 40 percent of what you're doing can you imagine any other you know venture that that would be normalized you know no, I mean no, of course it's not crazy. yeah yeah just when you think about that that just puts a whole nother spin on it um yeah so yeah um so it's really you know it's really amazing to see your evolution and I haven't you know we haven't been friends this entire time you you came on board I think just shortly after I started the podcast yes I was one of the very first like people that were super into the podcast she came right up to me at the Oregon State Beekeepers (laughs) Association conference and I'm like who are you she's much taller than me and I remember looking up who are you and she's like straight up giving me some feedback about the show and I'm like Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And what is I love about it so much is that you were so like open to receiving, like (laughs) listening, like, oh, you're a fan and you have suggestions. Okay. And, you know, there was both there. But one of the things I do want to say to you, Mandy, is that I know just hearing more in detail, but also experiencing it through our friendship, you've gone through so much. um, But even if you never made another show, which we don't want to have happen because we love Beekeeper Confidential, um, but even if you never made another show, the body of work that you've already created with the guests, the quality of the episodes, I mean, I've laughed, I've cried, I've, you know, been on the edge of my seat, you know, there's (laughs) all the feels, all the emotions have been um, through this body of work. And, you know, I have to say, you've also given people platforms that have never had them before you've you know jump-started people's careers other than just mine um and I have to say like that has been um one of the the greatest pleasures in doing the show that I did not expect it never occurred to me that I could do an interview and and put it out there for the world to hear that it would help bolster somebody's uh business their um oh what's the word I'm looking for notoriety yeah their um, notoriety but I also feel like I was so lucky to get some of these you know bigger names in beekeeping to come onto the show but really every guest that I've connected with it's been special and it's been Absolutely. you know really unique and I really I I really want to emphasize you guys I have thought about you every single day. Mm-hmm. And once in a while, I'll get a note from somebody on, mm-hmm. you know, social media or like they'll email me um, asking like, are you okay? I hope you do some more shows. I hope you're okay. And like those little notes along the way when I was really, really struggling, that meant so much. 
um, just to have, you know, somebody who, who was impacted by the show and felt just, loss of it not being yeah, available like, anymore and then you? checked in with you and was you like, checked in with me. are you okay? I mean, yeah. what a gift yeah. in that moment, you know? Yeah. And, um, I was, I, I do have some guests lined up. Okay. This isn't just a final farewell episode. This is a, you know, hey, no, I am still here. We're still yes, doing this we're thing. We're doing this. This um, is happening. This still. is happening. And I talked to her a little bit about, you know, why I paused. And I just said, you know, I felt like I, I just, I didn't have a voice. And she said, you have a voice in this community and it's an important one. Oh, absolutely. And uh, thank you for saying that. I mean, it's just, uh, it was really nice to hear and that. I think helped, you know, further motivate me that, you know, it is worth the time and the effort to, to make this show This happen. show is so <laughs> worth it. It makes a difference in people's lives, not just the beekeepers, but the other people that are hearing and they're seeing the reflection of their own path or their own trajectory in the lives of different guests and just the extreme amount of diversity that you're able to bring forward. And I will say, um, as far as just someone who is really rooted in social justice, I have to say one of the things I love about your show is your attentiveness to inclusion and bringing forward and sharing that platform in such a way that you're highlighting, um, and this is well before the whole, you know, um, kind of trend started occurring when folks started paying more attention to, you know, sharing their platform with, um, you know, lots of diverse folks. You actually didn't jump on the bandwagon. This is something that has always been a part of what you do and who you are. And I just wanted to give you props for that because I know that there's a lot of things out there and there's a lot of people doing different things right now. And a lot of people are scrambling to kind of catch up but you have been doing this and I so appreciate that thank you 2020 was such a a, I want to say a pivotal year for humanity it was and I hope that it pivots things in the right direction sure um but there were moments where I was self-reflecting and and asking myself like have I done enough yeah have I done enough to use this platform to show the diversity and to give fair time and fair voice to people that maybe normally wouldn't have that available to them. Absolutely, yeah. Because I think that is something that people don't really realize is that, you know, you really, it isn't as helpful to wax poetic about these ideas. Mm -hmm. What really helps is to pass the mic. And you have done that (laughs) on every level and you continue to, you know, stand in that, um, you know, grounding, you know, light. And I just appreciate that so much because it's very um, authentic and um, really a part of what you do and I love that and it's so well needed in this world and to be honest um, I think that you've touched on um, lots of really kind of um, overlooked and intense um, subjects also in um, beekeeping I love the episode with um, Julia Mahood and um, incarcerated women and beekeeping and there's just so many times where it could have been a very light interview just kind of focusing on people's sort of you know practices or what they're you know 
you know, you know how these things kind of turn into where someone's kind of sort of sensationalize. Ooh, they're inmates and they're beekeepers. But I was so like genuinely moved oh, by I the things that, that I'm like, I have chills yes, right now just talking too. about yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I guess I guess the point is, <laughs> yeah, um, there are still so many stories to share. That's right. And and I hope that uh, I hope that you all will continue to listen. Of course they will. <laughs> oh my gosh, we can't do without you. And I think so many of your fans and different folks. I mean, I have a bunch of friends that aren't even beekeepers, and they love the show. And <laughs> you know, and it just really, um, I think it connects folks to this. Um, you know how it is when you tell someone you're a beekeeper, it just immediately, you know, sits someone up in their chair and they want to know more, you know? And it really does. It's always, I love the name of the show, the beekeeper confidential, because it's really, you know, (laughs) you're getting down to, um, this kind of thread of truth that winds through, um, all of your guests Mm -hmm. and these, the, you know, as diverse as everyone is, there's these kind of, you know, simple truths that everyone is reflecting. And ultimately I feel like these gifts are coming from the bees and you do a great job of highlighting that and so maybe you could talk a little bit about that like how the bees inform your practices oh my gosh I mean beekeeping in itself is such a a life-changing practice and you are constantly analyzing your choices and your movements and 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 you lose sleep and you cry (laughs) and you feel joy and elation and the 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 victory of catching a swarm like all of those things are very enriching and they're enriching in ways that you really don't get that kind of adrenaline rush or the roller coaster or the satisfaction, mm. at least for me, like mm-hmm. I haven't found that in many other things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's been so impactful on my life. Um, but I feel like I'm not really answering your question. Well, I do think what you are bringing up is how beekeeping, I tell this to all my students and people just in general, that it is actually, I mean, can you think of a more dynamic relationship on the planet between like human in nature or you know human and and um you know other creatures like they're just really it's absolutely dynamic so it's i think that's kind of what you're speaking to is how um inspiring and empowering that yes that you know very primal experience is and also i think that you know, in the early years of trying to get my business and my like, what am I doing here with the bees while trying to get that built up? I really embodied that mindset of I'm a worker bee. Yeah. Do all the yeah. jobs. Work yourself <laughs> so hard every day. Like never, never pause. Productivity. This is all for the community. Like we got to do this yeah. thing. Um, well, a worker bee's life is very short. Because she works so hard. And I think that that's, you know, when my, when my friend died, it, 
it was a very uh, clear reminder of just how short life is. And I it, it got me to further examine what am I capable of doing without running myself into the ground? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm so guilty of always feeling like I have to have my hands in so many projects. And this is how extreme things got for me, folks. Okay. When I started with Beekeeper Confidential, I was uh, president of Portland Urban Beekeepers. I was enrolled in the Master Beekeeper Program at, at OSU. I was also enrolled in the Oregon Bee Atlas program, which is like a whole oh, native yeah. bee thing. Yeah. Like I was signed up for as much education and like just I was really deep in, you know, doing all the bee things while getting my business up and running and starting the podcast. And I soon realized, like, I can't do all of those things. I just can't, you know, and even with the podcast, one of the reasons why I think I was able to sort of put it down for a little while is there are other people making great beekeeping podcasts out there. Yeah. You know, this isn't the only one. No, Um, it's the only one of its type, though. I do want to throw that out there. Thank you. We do have our, our own special, you know, thing that we're doing over here. But I just really felt like it was okay like it's okay okay. for us to look you know even you make a list of all of the things that you're doing and sometimes you just you have to take that personal inventory absolutely Um, and Mm -hmm. so that's really hard for me to do right because I like to put on the strong face Mm -hmm. and I like to I like to carry all of the weight on my shoulders and realizing like getting to that point where I was just so burnt out and grieving and just couldn't even speak you know right um I'm I'm glad that I took that time. It took great strength and I to was be able to pupating. do that. Yes, okay? you were. I was a pupa, and now <laughs> I'm emerging as yes. a, a 40 year old adult. <laughs> adult bee. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you really have um, so much ahead of you to you know bring forward because, like you said, these stories. There's you know so many more stories to be told, mm-hmm. and I think there's a way that you're able to to. Um, present these stories, you know, that maybe is unique to you. And a lot of um, folks, and there's a lot of podcasts, and I actually listen to all of them. I'm a connoisseur of beekeeping podcasts. So I don't think there's a beekeeping (laughs) podcast out there that I haven't listened to more than one episode. Um, And I just say that this, this, for me, really remains my favorite, just because I love your way of allowing this person, whoever it is, to talk about their work, and you give them permission to not only talk about their joy, but their pain and their obstacles and how, you know, it's, it's really rare to have someone hold the platform in quite the way that you do it. So... Ooh, baby, I love your way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, one final note, um, and this is a little bit, we can all toot our horns here. I would like to say that I recently got an email 
um, from Podbean, which is where my podcast is mainly broadcast right. out of, uh, we had our 100,000th download. Woo! Um, which is like, you know, we started with zero downloads. Absolutely. <laughs> Look at us go. Look at you now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And yeah. it has come so far in terms of the technical parts, which that's <laughs> yeah. kind of the the um, behind the scenes thing it's one thing oh, to yes. have an idea it's one thing to you know create the way you want the show to go- to be and create the platform it's another thing to actually you know do the technical parts edit it you know create it in a way that is soothing to hear because those are different skill sets mm-hmm. and i think it's incredible that you were able to I mean, it is so, it sounds so much more cultivated than those first <laughs> episodes. And I mean, I actually love the first episodes too, but it's just to see you kind of bring those skills into focus mm-hmm. is. There is a learning curve for sure. <laughs> Thank you all for sticking with with me through all of that. And like, if I ever talk to anybody now who hasn't heard of the show, I just warn them like, just the audio on those first, you know, episodes was rough, but just stick with it. It's going to oh, be okay. My <laughs> yes, please stick with it. And I think it's so great as far as a teaching tool um, for me. I always, I have it in my resource manual and I ask all my students, you know, to listen to, you know, the show in general, but then I pick out certain episodes and I'm like, this is really informational. So if my class is, you know, on this certain subject, then here's this counterpart of this episode of the podcast that actually really touches on all these same things. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think it, as far as that goes, you're always going to be having new viewers and I mean, um, listeners who are gonna want to you know go back and you know listen to everything you've done and then and now um, moving forward get to you know listen to what's coming up um do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things that you have ideas for coming up in terms of people and oh and sure you well do? I there is one episode that I recorded um last year um before I I had to set things down for a while and I'm really excited about it um I'm not going to tell you what it is, though. You're going to have to wait. Um, So there's that older episode. And then the guests that I'm bringing on are uh, probably beekeepers that you haven't heard of. Okay. But they're doing really cool things. Um, And some of them I've had like philosophical bee conversations with (laughs) and I've always thought, oh, man, that would have been a great episode. Why can't I secretly record our conversations? Right. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) But, you know, we try and keep things legit here. We don't do any secret recordings. Um, It's all it's 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 all all done with consent. Yep. (laughs) So, yeah, I am excited about the the lineup. uh, State Beekeepers Association. Get a cocktail in your nut. Yep. <laughs> Just um, Fanta, thank you for... Um for doing this with me today. I just feel so honored that I got to be the interviewer to, you know, bring out more about what you've been, you know, going through in your personal journey, you know, all the way. And I think we actually should, you know, make it a point to once a year interview you because you do are holding so many of your own irons in the fire in terms of the beekeeping culture that we're co-creating here. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just so, you know, valuable for your listeners 
listeners to get to hear like you know what it takes to to do you and to create this amazing work of art and it takes a village to do me (laughs) like it's (laughs) I have so many supportive people that you know without them I I really wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things that I do so Yeah. Well, you are one of those supportive people for me, and I just so appreciate all that you do in this world and, you know, all the the just overall just um, really taking cues from the bees that, you know, now is the time, you know, if we're going to use this pivotal moment, as you said, this is the time for radical collaboration and uplifting of each other. Absolutely. And you set such a beautiful example. And so I'm glad I got to use this as well to gush on you because <laughs> I think you're such an amazing um, woman and such an amazing beekeeper. And we're just so lucky to have you part of the the collective so thank you for all you do thank you fanta you're welcome Beekeeper Confidential is written and produced by Mandy Shaw.